Hello, Sarah. Hello, Kim. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. It's Friday afternoon and I'm not quite at the finish line yet. I still have some more sprinting to do after this, but I'm, I'm feeling that weekend. It's looming. Yes, you did start a yawn fest before we started, though. I would never. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. I had like a baby yawn and then you guys just went for it. <laughs> Speaking of, we have another guest. We do. Yay. Melissa Phillips is joining us and we have known her for a while as a math educator, but she has a whole new journey and adventure that she's going to tell us all about. Hello, Melissa. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm Melissa Phillips. I have been in Charlottesville for, I think, 10 years now. I came uh, to follow my husband. He works at UVA and um, I actually had, I guess I had a three-year-old then, and then I had my son here in Charlottesville. So first when I came here, um, I was trained as a math teacher and I didn't do that at first because I was Canadian and I couldn't, um, I couldn't actually legally work for a while. So I had my son. And then when I could work, I worked at PVCC for a little bit. And then I got a job at St. Anne's Belfield, which is how I know you guys. And I worked there for a few years and then kind of decided or <laughs> went to a math competition and thought I'll change my career to becoming a data scientist. So that's what I'm doing now. Ooh, I want to hear more about that. What happens at a math comp? And it might, maybe this question is coming, but I love that you described it as, I went to a math competition and now I'm a data scientist. <laughs> like, I want to know how that happened and whether I should start going to math competitions. Like, is that where, is that where life inspiration is? Well, yeah, it was, it was a funny experience. One of the things I, I liked doing at STAB was just trying to get the students involved in seeing math as a fun thing to do. And mm -hmm. um, one way was incorporating some more tech skills, so some computer science skills. And we did um, some programming with a bootstrap curriculum, is, is what it's called. And that was fun for me. And I just started to realize I kind of like coding. I had never done it before. So I, when I was teaching my students, I was also learning as I went along, but found it to be a lot of fun. And, and it really ma matched the way I think anyway. And so I took these uh, girls actually to a math competition in town and they had a special speaker come in and she was a data scientist and she was describing her work as a blend between computer science and math. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. And I had never heard of it before, but it's just a funny thing <laughs> that you know, I was in my 30s and didn't know about this career path. But I came home that day. I went looking online for data science schools, found out that UVA had a program. And I just decided, hey, let's let's go for this. And so somehow I got in and did that last year. And now I have a job as a data scientist. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that an incredible story? <laughs> yes. So the, the program was a year long? It was a year long. So there was a year between when I stopped working full time and I kind of did some training while I worked part time to prepare for the program. But mm -hmm. in itself, it was one year um, of really difficult work, just kind of getting it. They took students who didn't really have a background in the area. So you needed to have a strong math education okay, um, and a little bit of coding, but they really kind of promised that they could form you into a data scientist. And so it was hard work to do that in a year, but I definitely feel like I learned a lot. I learned the essentials that I'm using even now. And definitely I'll continue to learn on the job. It seems to be that way in this world, but definitely I had a good solid foundation from them, the data science. Now that they're a school, there used to be a data science institute, but the School of Data Science at UVA. Yeah, and that's a pretty new program, right? Yeah, the program itself, the, the master's, so it's an MSDS, which is a Master's of Science in Data Science. And I think that's been going on for a few, like maybe like six or so years. But the school now, they've kind of broadened into a school, so they'll have 
more doctoral programs and they'll also have some uh, undergraduate component. And so now that they're a school, they're able to do more of those kind of broad based things. So that is brand new. That just started last year. Cool. And was it scary to go back to being a student after being the teacher that was teaching the students? I talked to Kim a little about this last week because she's starting her journey as a student again, but having just finished yours, how was that transition? I really loved it just because I feel like I've always been a student anyway. I just love learning. And I think that was one of the ways I approached my teaching career was just learning from my students. And I mean, <laughs> a lot of my students will tell, tell you all the things, especially the, the ones who did a lot of programming. They would come to class and share the, the knowledge that they had because I didn't have it, but I was super interested. And so I learned so much from my students anyway that I get a kick out of learning from people, especially when they're younger than me or just coming from a different background. So I really enjoyed that. I will say it was hard. <laughs> the homework was hard. So the learning was good. Having to stick to someone else's deadlines and do the amount of work they expected while trying to manage, you know, home life and everything, that was a challenge. Mm, I believe that. So can you give us a little breakdown of what is data science? Yeah, so it is, I guess I would say it's problem solving using data, I guess. So using information and especially, you know, people will describe it different ways. So some say it has to have machine learning, which means like you'll have a bunch of data and you're trying to get the computer to learn patterns from the data and perhaps do predictions for what could happen in the future based on what's happened in your past data. But a lot of people also can think of it as data visualization. So sometimes just getting a story from the information that's there because data, I mean, it's information in all various forms, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to make sense of until someone kind of gets into it and tells you a story with it. So it's almost like taking this information, which especially large amounts of information that are really hard to get any patterns from and, and bringing it together using computers to get a story out of it, get some meaning out of it and hopefully solve a problem. That's, you, I've, did not expect the answer to be that cool. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it wasn't going to be cool, but I, I don't know that much about data science, but the way you talk about it, like it's storytelling, that is so neat. And you can hear how much you enjoy it from the way you talk about it, which I always love having people where like their joy and their passion shows through their voice. And you just made data science sound cool on a Friday afternoon at like 4 p.m. So that's very impressive. <laughs> I know. I feel like the names, like the names are a problem. You know, yes. data science, computer science, it just mm. doesn't sound. What if it was like digital storytelling fun. or like, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. like idea painting or like, who, who is doing the marketing for these programs and how can I get that job? <laughs> yeah, because we need some marketing. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> so what are you doing now that you're out of school? Yeah, so um, this summer I was lucky enough to work with an organization called Hack Siebel in Charlottesville, just for anyone who's kind of getting to college age and wants to check it out. They're really cool. They have some courses for students who are in college just to kind of get you more involved in the tech world. But they also had internships that uh, we had some training for, and then you could do an internship and they would help you find a company. So I worked through them and got placed with CCRI, which is a company locally that does geospatial data work. And it's actually, they work with secure data, so I can't go into all the details. Not that you, <laughs> not that I know all the details, I should say. But, um, the, but yeah, it's nice. So you kind of work with things on maps, basically, and trying to find information from, from that kind of space. So what is it like now that you're no longer a student and, and back in the work environment? It's been great. So it's nice to, you know, I feel like, you know, Sarah said this earlier, but like feeling like a person again, <laughs> it just, when you're a student, especially graduate school, I find, you know, you can really get immersed in your work and it just, 
can be really all consuming and it's nice, you know, you choose it obviously. So you are passionate about it, but I found that it kind of took over my life a bit. And so being working now, I get to do, you know, that fun stuff that I actually enjoy at work, but then I also get to end my day and, and go spend time with my family and enjoy life too. So I'm really finding a really good balance that I just didn't have yeah. last year. And that nice. brings me to a question. There are a lot of teachers that are stepping out of the education field, maybe for the first time right now. How does, teaching is obviously a professional career, but this mm -hmm. is a different type of professional career. And having done both, you have a unique perspective. What is it like having the profession of teaching and now stepping into a new one? You know, I feel like having the teaching background for me is a huge asset. Um, I found that in my program as well, because you know, sometimes when you're in the technical field, there are some people who are excellent at the technical side, but not, not really great at communicating. And I feel like having the educational background, just the fact that you work with so many different people, so many different learning styles, you, I mean, I can just think of the amount of people I've come across just because of that career. It gives you a real appreciation for people's strengths and it helps you work better as a team, I think, because I already know how to get, you know, diverse groups people to kind of work together toward a common goal. So I feel really proud having had that background. I do think that there'll be parts of it I'll miss a lot. So that's one of the reasons I, you know, want to get involved with you guys. It's nice that I can chat and still do a bit of outreach because I really want people to know that tech is a great career. And I also want to continue to teach and to continue to get to know people in the community because I'll, I'll miss all the people I got to interact with. Now you'll get to interact with new people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So Sarah and I talked about this last week. We, you know, both of us going into new adventures uh, in our life and how we deal with imposter syndrome. And Sarah, you know how last week I was feeling pretty good? Mm -hmm. This week kicked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first week of classes and I'm like, what did I get myself into? Uh, so you having a little bit of the like, oh my gosh, everyone belongs here except for me. Everybody else gets it. Like the imposter syndrome that we talked about. For sure. For mm -hmm. sure. And remember how I told you lean into it. Yeah. Easier said than done. Oh, it so is. <laughs> I had to ask for help this week and it's, I, I'm not against asking for help. I just, in a leadership role, I feel like I'm supposed to know and be strong and have all of the answers. And I had to approach someone today and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing on this specific thing. And if I try to do it, I'm going to mess it up. Can you please sit down and help me? And the person that I went to was so gracious and so generous with her time and made me feel like it's totally normal. And I'm so glad you asked. And of course you need help with doing this year. And it was great, but it was a, it was a very humbling moment. So I can understand what you mean. Melissa, I'm just wondering, what, have you ever felt that, especially going through the different transitions you've been going through? Oh, yes. <laughs> I have felt that many times. And actually, Kim, it reminds me of our first semester in the School of Data Science our program last year. It kicked my butt, too. And I was really questioning whether or not I had made wise choices. But, you know, I think the nice thing was at that time, there were so many other people struggling, too. And it was almost like you just have to reach out for the people around you who can help and identify them. And sometimes it's not everyone who's around you. You have to kind of pick the people you, you, you trust, right? Because I also know if someone says the wrong thing to me, it's going to really be discouraging. And so I need to kind of reach out to someone who I think will have compassion and be able to help. And then when you find those lifelines, you know, it really makes such a difference. So for me, when I get like that, I, I try not to let myself get too isolated because I'll just go spiraling down a bad road mm -hmm. there. So I'll try to find someone I can reach out to 
to just kind of give me a lifeline and just help me get to the next step where I start to feel confident again. And I'm a firm subscriber to don't ask someone for directions if they've never been where you want to go. And so it's not only finding a person who can be like a positive influence on you, but also looking for someone who's maybe done what you've done or mm -hmm. has a similar interest or it maybe comes from a similar headspace. But I find sometimes I make the mistake of asking people who don't have the same foundation and the same goals in mind. And so sometimes the advice that I get makes me feel worse <laughs> just because right. it's not, it right. does not translate well. Right. Especially <laughs> those who like, do, you know, don't understand your path. <laughs> like yeah, they exactly. think you're crazy. It's like, yeah. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with them not understanding my path. It just means I should not be asking them for directions. Right. <laughs> like they're good friends for other things. <laughs> Have you found a lot of people within the program and within your new professional space that can be that positive source for you? Or is it mostly friends and family or both? Actually, it's been a lot of people who are on the same path. So I guess, you know, being the age I am now that I'm older, there was kind of a group of more mature students in our program last year, and we all sort of found each other and were um, able to rely on each other to help us get through. And that was really nice because we understood, you know, when we go home, we still have things to do as opposed to maybe a new grad who didn't have that same life circumstance. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing at my work now, actually. I find that there's a group of women who are pretty supportive and it's just nice for other people because they do find that women tend to come out of different like non-traditional career paths into tech. And so I found a lot of support through that as well. I'm really encouraged to hear that there is a group of women at a tech company <laughs> that you work at. That is yes. awesome. <laughs> That's right. We're easy to impress today. <laughs> well, I know that uh, CCRI is also a very big supporter of Charlottesville Women in Tech. So shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like they're, they're practicing what they preach as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I like them a lot. That's great. And you, you sound happy and calm. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. I mean, I'll say, I, you know, I had a bit of a rough day today. I'm actually in a project where I'm having to learn a different programming language. And so I was just looking oh. at these symbols and, and kind of losing myself through them a little bit. So this has been a nice little break. Sometimes you need those just so you can you go back, you feel refreshed and, you know, a little bit more confident as you approach that and just hopefully I'll make some sense of it. But if not, they'll reach out to someone for help because at a certain point, there's no point just trying to figure it out when you could get a little bit of help. Oh, I so agree. Yeah. I remember <laughs> Jeff from the CS Institute. I don't know if you were at that one, Sarah, the first one where I don't think so. he talked about failure and how it was his sort of philosophy when he had interns that, you know, a certain amount of failure and frustration is actually good because it means that you need to learn something. Oh, no, I was there. Yeah. Yes, I remember. Um, but also, you know, don't let them hang there for hours. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's, not, that's not useful. Mm -hmm, so it's yeah. like that, you know, getting that right balance of struggling on your own, but then also going and reaching out for help when you need it. Yeah. I'm learning that that's a skill set that can be really hard specifically for adults to develop. Like, and I think about having worked pre-K through eight, how it's so easy to get a kindergartner to ask for help. And then as we get older somewhere, it gets trained out of us that that's okay and that's natural and that's a thing that people do and that it doesn't mean you're not strong or not smart. And then I, I think about my eighth graders who would be absolutely falling apart. And then a teacher would say, can I help you? And they'd be like, no, I'm great. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're not. Why are you doing that? But we, somewhere we learn that asking for help is a sign of weakness. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I feel like that's my whole life is trying to unlearn that because I realized that held me back from a lot of things. I just wouldn't try something if I didn't know I'd get it right. And mm. 
it holds you back from things that you actually might really enjoy, but just afraid to try. This is such great advice and counsel that I hope others take in. So my, my last sort of question, I know, Sarah, if you have more, and, and it's a little bit heavier, but, you know, we're, we're, we're in a time right now. <laughs> just, just a time. That's just what we're a gonna time. Call it. Let's stay in a time. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering for you, sort of, is there something you really worry about or something that you're really hopeful about for the future, whether it's related to tech or society or culture or whatever? Well, I'll, I'll say that one thing that I do worry about a lot is, and it comes out of my, you know, my training now in data science, but, you know, I feel like we, as people all sort of end up talking past each other. I feel like we're, I just keep hearing this in conversations where like you cannot come to any kind of point of agreement on anything, even on facts or something I would consider facts. And as someone who's, you know, going through data science now, I'd like to think that and I'm hopeful that at some point we can use data to actually come to some kind of points of agreement where we can have knowledge and improve our knowledge base. And it's not to say that all data comes to us, you know, perfect and that there's not bias and that kind of thing in the data. But I like for us to be able to talk about it, you know, from a, a point of, I don't know, some kind of consensus and agreement and maybe get somewhere where we can, you know, just have healthy conversations, I guess. I, I, yeah, I just feel like we always, there's just a lot of talking past each other and just coming from different premises and you, we just can't connect anymore. And I, I really hope that we'll get better at that. And that's really interesting hearing that from a data scientist. So many of the facts that we hear that we don't know whether they're really facts or not, mm -hmm. data is data, but I'm now starting to piece together that maybe that data becomes it's data scientists that turn it into the news that we receive. And so a data scientist that has bias or a data scientist that believes a certain thing might bake that into their findings, right? Just like anyone, any programmer might. And the thing is, and the, the data itself, I mean, when you start getting into the ethics of data science, which is something that they emphasize at UVA, but the data itself is biased. When you think of just like, like prison populations and stuff like that, when people say, well, certain groups are incarcerated more you know, frequently for their population types. But like some of that is historical bias that has created this data. And so if you make models that predict based on past historic systemic you know, issues, you're just going to keep perpetuating discrimination. And so you start to really look at the, I mean, that's the thing. Data is not, we, we think of it sometimes as neutral, and it's not. But I would still like us to have a conversation about that, you know, and, and just be able to talk about, you know, try to find something we can all agree on and, and move from there and try to be as fair as possible. Because I think, you know, that's what I'd hope data science is getting us toward with these conversations is hopefully that we can get to kind of fair application of, well, fair decision making in general. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think that's an, uh, an excellent goal. <laughs> So if we could talk about that for another hour. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sorry. <laughs> well, I don't have anything else. Sarah, do you have anything else? I don't think so. You've given me so much to think about. <laughs> My brain is now going in five different directions. And I'm like, do I want to be a data scientist? <laughs> I'm like, no, Sarah, focus. You have a new job. Um, <laughs> but it just sounds really exciting. And I can't wait to hear about all the things that you do in your new position and and I think that Charlottesville Women in Tech is going to be so excited to have you as a resource and some kids, younger people are going to be really lucky to have you as a mentor. It's so exciting. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to kind of be settled and be ready to kind of reach out again. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time with us and joining us and sharing a little bit about your story. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Until next time. Tech. 
love and happiness.